All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Valley Creek. Come on, whatever campus you're at today, whether you're in Denton, Flower Mound, Gainesville, Louisville, the venue or engaging online, will you just welcome each other together with me? Come on. Come on. Hope is here. Everyone is welcome. Jesus changes everything. And today is the grand opening of our Gainesville campus. And so if you are in Gainesville, we want to tell you welcome. We are so glad you are here. We have been praying for you. We have been preparing for you. We love the city of Gainesville and we are so excited to be a part of what God is doing in that city and in this region. And if this is your first time with us and you're coming in, I want to say to you, welcome home. Welcome home. And I believe God has something great for you. So to every person that's given and served and prayed and made this happen today is a great day. It's a great celebration. And we're starting a new series today called Again. It's time to breathe again, to believe again, and to begin again in Jesus' name. And what I want to do over the next few weeks is I just want to talk about some things that, that we need to start doing again. Because if we're honest, when 2020 rolled in like a storm, there was a whole lot of things that all of a sudden we just stopped doing. Foundational things, significant things, important things. All of a sudden, because of the chaos and the brokenness and the storm around us, all those things kind of got pushed to the side. And now as life has gone by, it's time to re-engage again. It's time to move forward again. It's time to breathe again. It's time to believe again. It's time to begin again in Jesus' name. And and I want to start this series by saying something really significant. And I'm acknowledging its significance right out of the gate. And, And it's simply this. I think this might be the most important year of your spiritual journey. I know some of you sit here and you can go back to different points in your life and you're like, no, that year was the most significant or this year. I I get you on all that. This might be the most important year in your spiritual journey because what I want you to understand is we are six weeks away from one year. Six weeks away from one year ago when COVID hit and we stopped gathering at our campuses and had to go through all that. And we're back now and all those different kinds of things. But, but what I want you to understand is, is that if you don't engage your spiritual journey again this year and you go another year the way we did last year, there are patterns, behaviors, habits, beliefs that will get so ingrained in your life that you may never get them out. And you might wake up five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road and say something like this, like, like what happened? What happened to my faith? What happened to my family? What happened to my life? And so it's time to engage again. It's time to wake up and acknowledge where we are and kind of decide to to move forward because, because you don't want what's supposed to be a season to become a normal way of life. See, there's, there's no such thing as neutral in the kingdom of God. In fact, I love what Jesus says. He says, he who is not with me is against me and he who does not gather with me scatters. 
These are really strong words, but what I want you to understand about what Jesus is saying here is he's saying there's no neutral. He's saying you're either advancing or you're retreating. You're moving forward or you're moving backward. You're growing or you're shrinking, but, but there's no neutral. I know a lot of us, we think there's a pause button on life and we can just press pause. That's what the world is telling us. Press pause until the storm goes away. But th- that's not what Jesus says. In fact, look at it in, in Matthew chapter four, Jesus says, come follow me. Not sit here and wait, not hang out, not sit around, come follow me. And notice there's no little asterisks here unless, unless, it, unless it's 2021, <laughs> unless it's COVID, unless it's uncomfortable, unless it's inconvenient, there's no asterisks. It's come follow me no matter what. And what I love about Jesus is he leads us in small steps, not giant leaps. He's gracious to us and he understands the the challenge of faith that we have and and the difficulty that it is sometimes to move forward in life. So he just says, just follow me like, like one little next step at a time. Jesus says to you, come follow me. When I move, you move. When I stop, you stop. Where I go, you go. Keep your eyes on me and I will lead you to discover the best possible outcome of your life. Follow me one next step at a time. Small steps, not giant leaps. In fact, I love Proverbs 16 that says, in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his step. I would bet you have got all kinds of plans in here. I bet you had all kinds of plans in here for 2020. I bet you got all kinds of plans in here for 2021. I get you. That's great. Those are awesome. In Jesus name, may the good ones come to pass. But he leads us by small steps. One small step at a time. So my question for you is this. What was the last next step that you took? When was the last time you you took a next step and, and what was it? You say, what's, what's a next step? A next step is any belief or behavior that moves you forward on your journey with Jesus. It might be forgiving somebody, engaging the scriptures, uh, showing up to the Gainesville campus for the first time, engaging online somewhere in the world. I, I don't know. It's any belief or behavior that moves you forward. What was the last next step that you took and when did you take it? See, here's what I'm trying to tell you. It's time to engage again. Hey, It's time to engage again. See, I get it. The reason so many of us have disengaged in our spiritual journey is because last year was a global year of transition. Let me me try to paint a picture for you here to just kind of acknowledge where it was a global year of transition and transition is disorienting to us. We don't like change. Change causes us to usually disengage, step back, wait it out until we get to decide if we like where it went or not. But last year was a global year of transition that none of us got to avoid. There was transition in government, There was transition in economics. There was transition in technology, transition in media, transition maybe in your job, in education, in your family, in church, in relationship. Everywhere you looked, there was transition. And we don't like transition. Transition causes us to disengage. And so so we've experienced transition here in our church. I mean, over this last year, so I'm trying to tell you, it's been six weeks from now. It will be a year and there's been transition. And if you've been tracking with us, you know that. 
We've had people transition and they've moved to other states and other places and they're now part of our online community and we miss seeing their face, but we're glad we're connected through technology. We've had people transition because God has moved them to to new places and so we were able to bless them and send them and move them on and then we've had people transition because they were offended or their preference didn't go the way that they wanted it to or doubt or disappointment or, or whatever you may have. It was a year of transition. Like, like track with me on this, like, and every leader that is, if you lead in anything, you get this right now. Like we had people that transitioned because we stopped gathering in March and we had people transition because we started gathering again in October. We've had people transition because we didn't make everybody wear a mask. And we had people transition because we asked all our serve team members to wear a mask to honor others. We had people transition because we talked about biblical view of racism and what God has to say about that. And we had other people transition because we didn't talk about it enough. We had people transition because we prayed for the government. We had people transition because we didn't tell you who to vote for. We had people transition because we tried to comfort people through COVID. We had people transition because we challenged people to move forward in the midst of COVID. I mean, do you want me to continue? Right? We had people transition because we didn't have kids. Now we do have kids. We had people transition because of this. Because of that. Okay. If you're a leader, if you're an, an administrator, if you're in any area of life, you know exactly what that feels like. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Don't let someone else's transition be your excuse for sitting on the sideline. Come on. The whole world transitioned last year. So don't sit on the sidelines and say, well, this person transitioned and this thing happened and these people over here in any area of life. I I get you. There was so much transition that made our heads spin. Don't use that as your excuse. Don't spend so much time grieving the past that you miss what God is doing in the present. Come on. Isaiah 43 says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? The answer is no for most of us. We don't see it. Why? Because we're so busy dwelling on the past. The reason we can't see the new thing that God's doing is because we get so focused on the past and the pain of transition. And God's saying, come on, it's time to forget those things. Stop dwelling on what was. I'm doing a new thing now. That's why I'm called the great I am. I'm not the great I was. I'm not the great I will be. I am the great I am. I'm right here. I know they may not be. I know that thing may not be. I know that thing may have transitioned. I know those people may have moved on, but I am right here. Do you not see me? Do you not see me? See, let me, let me say to you in a different way. It was like a giant year of pruning. If you know what pruning is, a farmer sees a tree and the tree is overgrown. So he has to come in and prune a bunch of things out. And if you've ever watched a good gardener prune a tree, you think he kills the thing. He cuts so much off of it. It's almost like, oh, oh my goodness, is that thing going to make it? Yes. It's going to make it. In fact, in John 15, here's what Jesus says. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Okay. We get the cutting off the branches that bear no fruit, the dead things. 
Last year, all of us had dead things cut out of our lives, activities, relationships, opportunities. All the dead things we get, those, those ones we understand. The ones we struggle with are the, the branches that do bear fruit. And you're like, but God, that, that was a, a good thing in my life. Or a good person or a good activity or a good event or a good opportunity. And he says, I know. But he prunes it off anyways. And as the gardener goes through and prunes all of this stuff, when the pruning happened, it's kind of swift and severe and it's painful. And we all understand that. The part that a lot of us forget is if you've ever watched a gardener really prune a tree, there is all kinds of garbage now all over the ground. And no one ever talks about the cleanup process. That you now literally have to take all those branches and cut them up into little four foot sections and bind them up with, with, with yarn so that the garbage man will take it. Because if he's like four foot six inches, I'm just telling you he's leaving a tag and he's not taking it. <laughs> may or may not come from personal life experience. And it's in the cleanup process where we get hurt, where we get cut, where we get pricked, where we get poked. That's the part that no one ever talks about. Last year was the pruning. This is now the cleanup process. And you get a choice. You get a choice. You can sit there and heal and grow or give up and die. Don't spend so much time grieving what's been pruned that you stop tending that which is growing. Hear me. Don't sit there and hold a dead branch and talk about how great it used to be. It was, but God cut it out of your life. He's moving it to the curb and he's saying, now tend what is growing. The new thing that I am doing now. And the question you have to ask yourself is, do you believe the gardener is good? Because if I believe the gardener is good, then I believe that whatever he's cut out of my life, my organization, my family, our church we're going to be even more fruitful in the days to come. This is either truth you believe or it's a nice idea that you get on a Sunday at church. Come on, it's time to engage again. It's time to engage again because you're still standing. Your roots are still growing. You're still here in Jesus' name. Yeah, some things have got cut off your life, but he promises you're going to be even more fruitful. It's time to engage Again, are you with me on this? Okay. So for the sake of awareness and making sure you understand what we're doing and what we're focusing on so we keep growing and become more fruitful, let me really quickly walk you through. These are the things that in this season, we just kind of as a church family are focused on. These are really simple. These are invitations for you to engage your faith. Not spend so much time grieving what's been lost, but decide to tend that which is growing. First thing is just simply this, weekend experiences. That's what you're a part of right now. Weekend experiences. And notice it no longer says weekend services. This is not about you being served. This is about you having an experience and an encounter with God. I repent over using the word weekend services. It's the wrong word. It creates a consumer culture that it's I show up or turn on uh, online and then I'm here to consume. No, you're not. You're here to have an encounter and an experience with God. And when we gather together, whether in person or online, the weekend, the gathering of the people has three things. We meet with God, we teach his word, and we minister to each other. If one of those is missing, we didn't have the weekend experience. We're here to meet with God. 
We're here to teach the word over our lives. We're here to minister to each other. It's a weekend experience and this matters. I know the world has told you it doesn't. I know the world has tried to tell you you don't need it, but God tells us we do. We need to gather together. And even if you're online, here's what I want to encourage you. I also want to repent of, we used to use the term, if you're watching online, wrong words. This is not in the same category as your favorite Netflix show. Seriously, this is called engaging online. Engaging online, where you are meeting with God, having the word of God taught over your life, and then ministering to each other. And so if you're online, part of your challenge is you're going to have to figure out how do you start ministering to other people and being ministered to? We're going to do everything we can to help you, but maybe it's getting on the chat and engaging with other people. Maybe it's before it starts. You say, I don't know anybody. Then maybe it's you write a handwritten note to to encourage someone that's in our church and send it to them before service starts. Maybe it's you pray for our church before you even turn the thing on and get going. I don't know. I just know it's in this context. We need to minister to each other. Obviously, that's easier physically. We believe we can do it digitally, but you have to take some ownership and authority over your life because it's about engaging with one another and with the presence of God. You with me on that? Come on. Let me tell you about the golden girls. There's a group of older women in our church. They call themselves the golden girls. And right now they don't feel comfortable coming to the buildings for health reasons. And yet every week they engage online. They do a circle with each other. They pray for our church. They minister to one another. They have better church than some of us who are in the buildings all the time. Because they get what it is, okay? Weekend experience. Second thing is just this, circles. So we do weekend experiences and we do circles. You say, what is a circle? A circle is where we gather together, a smaller grouping of us. We talk about the weekend message. We engage the scriptures and we pray together. This is where we grow as disciples. This is where we follow Jesus together. This is where we have other people to walk with in life. And if there was one thing I could tell you to do in 2021 to re-engage your spiritual journey, it would be get in a circle. It is the number one of everything I'm going to put on the list. It is the number one thing that I believe will change your life. It's probably the most inconvenient and it's probably the most uncomfortable, (laughs) but you should do it anyways, because it will be the thing that will change you the most and it will keep you the most engaged on your journey with Jesus. Third thing is serve the city. Serve the city. Third Saturday of the month at all our campuses, we rally together and we serve the city. Why? Because we're not here for us. We're here to be a movement of hope for the city and beyond. I would encourage you to participate and engage with us on that. If you're part of the online community, we're now figuring out ways of having things even digitally for you to be able to do wherever you live in the world. The fourth thing is resources. We want to keep creating resources so you can activate your faith wherever you are. And our team has been working hard behind the scenes to create a resource site that goes live today. This is going to be a lot on the screen here for a moment, but basically this has all of our resources on it, all our messages, clips, courses, things for students, everything we have for kids, worship music, uh, all kinds of the things that we've created along the way. We wanted to create one place. You can go in and even type in like a word like anxiety and it'll bring you all the search things for all the things that have been created along the way for you to apply the things of God to your life wherever you are. So that will go live resources. And then the last thing is just hope carriers. Hope carriers. We're going to focus on being hope carriers. 
carrying the hope of Jesus to the areas of life you go every single day. We took a lot of ground in that in 20. We're going to take a lot more ground in it in 21. And then there's all kinds of other things like every Wednesday night, our students are in circles and they're doing amazing things. If you've got kids, we'd love to partner with you as you raise your kids because you're responsible to the Lord for how you raise your kids. We'd love to partner with you. It's not our job to spiritually train your children. It's your job. We would love to partner with you on that by our weekend experiences, both in person and online. You can get on a serve team. You can give first Tuesday night of the month. There'll be Tuesday night prayer. Okay. All I want you to see on this is these are opportunities for you to engage with God and his people. Hear me. This is not church activity. This is not religion checkboxes. If you're doing it for church activity and religion checkboxes, don't do it. That's dumb. That's a waste of time. If you want to connect with God and his people, it's time to engage again. Whether online or in person. See, all of us need three things. We need a church to be planted in. We need people to walk with and we need a mission to engage in. Every one of us. You need a church to be planted in, whether you like it or not. Psalm 92, 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. Those who are planted shall flourish. You need a church to be planted. Do you know the only trees that survive the pruning process and the storms of life are trees that are deeply rooted? Jesus says, I will build my church. So if he is building his church, then I want to align my life with that which he is building. And this is a promise. If I stay planted, he promises that I'll flourish. I get it though. The world has told us all the, we've, the church has allowed the world to tell the church what the church is. We got to let Jesus tell us what the church is and whether or not we need it and what the Bible actually says about it before we make all these declarations like me and Jesus is all I need. That's great if it really is you and Jesus. I promise you, he's always leading you back to other followers of Jesus. You need a church. You need an environment of faith, hope, and love. You need a Jesus-focused, spirit-filled, life-giving, spiritual family. You need spiritual accountability and you need spiritual authority in your life. I know we don't like to acknowledge it, but it's true. And hear me, I'm, try, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to like help you engage and trying to bring you as much clarity as I possibly can. And here, here's what I want to say to you. Every one of us at some point in our life is going to have to ask the question. And you're going to have to keep asking the question throughout your journey. Do I really want to be a disciple? And do I trust my church leadership? Do I really want to be a disciple? And do I trust my church leadership? Think about it like this. Think about an athlete. An athlete has to decide, do I really want to be an athlete? And do I trust my coaches? If I want a great education, I have to decide, do I really want an education? And do I trust my teachers? I think about somebody who wants to be healthy. You have to decide, do I really want to be healthy? And do I trust my doctors? Okay. Do you really want to be a disciple? And do you trust your church leaders? And if the answer is no, then let us help you get somewhere where you can say yes. It's not about Valley Creek. It's not about being here. It's about the kingdom of God and following Jesus. 
I just know that you need a spiritual family to be rooted in, in Jesus' name, so you can flourish in life. And if it's not here, let us help you get somewhere else. Come on, we're not perfect. We've never said we're perfect. And I've taught you for years, if you've been around here, you're going to get offended here. It's why always mind-blowing to me when people are like, well, I got offended. I know, I told you that. You will get offended. In fact, it's God's design. God's design is getting a spiritual family where there's commitment to each other. And guess what? You're going to bump each other, hurt each other, step on each other. But in those moments, if you stay and you're planted, I'm going to be able to heal you and transform you and shape you and mold you. Where do you think you learn how to live the one another verses of the Bible? Not in the world. Forgive one another. Serve one another. Build up one another. Accept one another. The world doesn't do those things. People of God do. And that's why we need this. And we need each other. And if it's not here, then let us help you get somewhere else. And if it is, and you say, this is my church family, then just hear me. There's two things you're not welcome to do. You're not welcome to grumble or gossip. You're welcome to be here. You're welcome to not even fully engage. You are not welcome to grumble or gossip. Why? Because as the spiritual leaders of this church, we can't let you hurt other people who are trying to follow Jesus. Come on. See, we all actually want that in our life. You don't want to go to a restaurant and have another table be spitballing you while you and your family are trying to have a meal. This is like legit. What do you want? You want the authority of that restaurant to go tell those people to knock it off or leave. Okay. That's why we need spiritual authority in our life. To protect us, to pray for us, to keep us safe, to help us and our family have the best opportunity to become everything God has called us to be. It's an invitation to repent again about what Jesus says his church is and why we're here and what we're doing. And if it's not here, let us help you get somewhere else. I'm just saying, if I'm you, I'm actually like this moment right now. I'm like, dude, this is my church. If they're actually telling me they'll help me get to another church, that means they're serious about what this thing is actually about. So let me just draw some attention to that for you. Because any campus pastor we have, any one of our lead team people, they will help you if this isn't it. In Jesus' name, because that's how much I want to see you flourish in life. Are you with me on that? And if you're online and you live in Saskatchewan or uh, somewhere in Kazakhstan or Australia or Indiana for a good, I don't know, you are welcome to be a part of this family. And we're figuring out how we're going to keep doing this digital thing as we move forward in Jesus name. You need a church to be planted in. Second thing real quick is you need people to walk with. He who walks with the wise, grows wise, a companion of fools, suffers harm. In other words, whoever you hang out with, you become like. And in this season, there's an acceleration on that. If you hang out with grumbly, gossipy, broken, dysfunctional people of the world as your main people, that's who you will become. And a lot of us know it because like a year ago, we weren't offended by anything in the world. And now the people we hang out with or read all their Facebook posts, now we like, we think like them. We act like them. We talk like them. We believe like them. Look, I want to say to you, look at the people in your life. Do you like where they're going and do you want to become who they're becoming? 
If the answer is no, then it's time to find some new people to walk with. And God has some amazing people for you in this church to say, come on, help me be my best. And the last thing is this, you need a mission to engage in. Therefore, go and make disciples. Unless it's uncomfortable or inconvenient or 2021 or you had a hard 2020. I know, right? I know. We're called by God to be a part of his mission, to engage with faith, to bless other people. And God knows that as we do that, it's the greatest way to keep our own heart healthy. It's like a flowing pipe. If you got all this stuff clogged up in there, everything backs up. But when there's this release and you're in some way, shape or form participating in the mission of God, of making disciples, bringing hope to the lost to the lonely and the broken, there is a healing and a wholeness that takes place in your life. It's time to engage again. And hear me. If not now, when? If not now, when? And if you sit there and you have all these reasons of why you're not engaged, that's fine. Can I just ask you the question? Are they your reasons or are they God's reasons? Have you just asked God, God, are those reasons my reasons or are those your reasons? Okay. Let me pull it all together with this. One day, Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. And he sees a fisherman by the name of Peter. And he calls out to Peter, hey, Peter, come and follow me. And in that moment, it was the greatest moments of Peter's life. Jesus, the savior of the world, called out to him by name, noticed him, saw him, knew him. Forgiveness, freedom, grace, mercy, empowerment, all started to flow over Peter's life. It was the greatest moment of his life. And for the next three years, he followed Jesus with everything he had. He engaged with a, with a whole heart. He took every next step God gave him to take. In fact, sometimes he took more steps than he was supposed to take. I mean, this guy was all in. He engaged with everything he had. And then three years later, a storm came out of nowhere. Jesus was arrested and crucified. And in that moment, Peter disengaged just like that. The guy who was so engaged for three years, completely disengaged and went back to his boat. And he sat in his little boat with his shame and his bitterness and his brokenness and his shriveled up soul. And then a few days later, the resurrected Jesus came walking down that same shore again and called out to him, hey, Peter, come follow me. Hey, Peter, come engage again. And Peter took a next step and he started walking with Jesus down that shore. And as Jesus started telling Peter about some things that Peter was going to need to do about the journey ahead, about some next steps that Peter was going to need to take, he saw John, one of Jesus's other disciples off in the distance. And check this out. When it says, when Peter saw him, saw John, another one of Jesus's disciples, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, what is that? To you, you must follow me. 
Peter says, Lord, I know you're asking me to engage again, but what about John? What are you going to ask him to do? What about all his problems? What about all his stuff? What about his disengagement? What is that to you, Peter? You follow me. Hear me. This whole experience today is for this. A whole lot of us know exactly what this story is like because it's our story. Somewhere along the way for a whole lot of us, Jesus came walking into our life and he called us by name. The God of the universe reached out to us and in our broken low, he gave us grace and mercy and kindness and compassion and empowerment in life. And we started to follow him. We started to take next steps. Do you remember that when you loved God and you were excited about God and you couldn't wait to be around God and his people and what he was doing? And, and for a number of months or years in your journey, you followed with everything you had and it was amazing. And then somewhere along the way, something happened and you disengaged. Maybe it was 20 years ago. Maybe it was two years ago. Maybe it was just the chaos of 2020. For some of you, maybe it was just last week. And you went back to your boat and you sat down. With brokenness in your soul and bitterness and despair. Offenses and doubt and defeat and discouragement. And, and this withering up soul that's just dying. And yet God in his grace is coming right down the shore today, calling you by name, saying, hey, come follow me. Come engage again. And like Peter, we look around and we say, but what about him? And what about her? And what about those transitions? And, and what about COVID? And what about the government? And, and what about the economics? And what about school? And what about education? And what about my job? And what about, and what about, and what about, and what about, and what about? And Jesus just says, what is that to you? You must follow me. Jesus isn't saying all those things aren't important or don't matter. What he is saying is they shouldn't have the authority to cause you to disengage from me, the source of life. God in his grace and his mercy, is saying, I know, I know. So come on, engage again. Grace is drawing you, kindness is leading you, the spirit is empowering you. Come on, in Jesus' name, engage again. You will never be able to breathe again, believe again, or begin again in your life until you first engage again with the source of life. And his name is Jesus. So close your eyes with me. Wherever you are in the world, can I just ask you, what is God saying to you today? Come on, what's he whispering in your heart? What invitation is he extending to you? Where's his grace trying to draw you Forward, And I, I can feel it from some of you. You're sitting there and you're like, but what about? But what about? And those things are real. And I'm not saying they're not. And Jesus isn't saying they're not. He's just saying today's a day to say in spite of those things. 
I'm going to choose to follow Jesus. Come on. What is God saying to you? And what are you going to do about it? That's the real question today. What are you going to do about it? Are you willing to get back out of your boat and start following Jesus again? Or maybe some of you for the first time in your life. Say, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. I receive your grace. I receive your spirit. And I rise again to new life in you. Come on, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He came so that we wouldn't be condemned. He came so that we could be free. He came so that we could be alive. And all he's inviting us to do is to engage with him. So Jesus, thank you that you never give up on us. That you haven't quit on us. You haven't forgotten about us. You haven't lost sight of us. You've been doing a deep work in us. You've been preparing the way. You've been paving the path. And today you've walked into our lives and you're inviting us to follow you. So Lord, I pray that we would have the courage and the strength to take whatever next step is before us to engage again. Online, in person, a circle, resources, hope care. It does. Lord, we want to follow you. Thank you for your church, for your spiritual family, and for this mission that we get to be a part of. May we engage again. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.